all to I am muted. I am not muted. Okay. Well, good morning and welcome to the technical difficulties at Coding with Christine Hall. So today is World Health Day. And I think it's a perfect day to talk about making uh, good choices, making a better world, right? And what happens when we don't make good choices? We're going to talk about the last component of a good, effective compliance program. So, you know, we have talked about um, having policies and procedures and how easy those are to put in place. We also talked about having good communication in the practice, making sure that we have effective education, that we're looking for good information to help us in our day-to-day -day, uh, operations at work. We also talked about audits and we talked about monitoring, making sure that what we have put in place and what we've talked about has been effective, right? That it's working in the practice. And when it's not working, we go back and we re-educate. We, we talk to our practice again. We adjust our policies. We adjust our procedures there. When someone says something through good communication, you know, we had Caitlin Brock on last week and she was talking to us about uh, ways that we could have open lines of communication, having a hotline in place so that we feel that we could always go to our supervisors, our managers, our administrators, our compliance officers, and say something when we see something. We have also talked about investigating those types of things. Now, not everything is face value. We know that. So if I think that maybe my friend over here that's working the front desk is waiving copays on a regular basis, I could go to my supervisor who through that investigative process will find out that the provider had actually said for Mrs. Smith's visit today, we're going to waive her copay today. And it wasn't something that that front office person had been doing for everybody. So investigating and finding out what's going on to see if it's a misunderstanding, if it didn't requires re-education, or is it something more? And today is what we're going to talk about when it's something more, meaning that we have either found a problem that we need to deal with, and how do we deal with that? Um, and then, of course, when we have those, those um, procedures, those enforcements in place, what type of consequence would a person be looking at? So the first thing in this last element, uh, the last step is that, that the OIG shares with us. And remember now, all of the OIG's guidance is available on the OIG website. And the, what we're talking about specifically are for those individual or small physician practices. So you know that the OIG has different guidelines for third-party billing companies, hospitals, hospice, home health agencies, all of those other entities. But we're just kind of talking about where, where I spend the majority of my time in individual and small um, physician practices there. And so that, that last step of the compliance uh, the last element there is that a physician's practice may wish to take um, is to incorporate measures into the practice to ensure that the practice employees understand the consequences if they behave in a non-compliant manner. 
Now, we were all born with free will, right? But most of you moms out there, you're going to remember how many times did you tell your children, don't touch that, it's hot, you will be burned. And the next thing you know, you are running cold water over those fat little fingers there. Um, you know, in school, when we were in learning either in, in primary school, high school, college, we were learning uh, about choices there. If you don't turn in the assignment or late assignments will receive a zero. And the consequence was you got the zero, right? And we had to think about how we were going to fix that. Um, when we're in traffic and the light turns red, we have choices. We can either run that red light or we could take the chance of getting and getting taking the chance of getting that ticket there. Um, you know, a, another great example is, is that red light right there. So it's not just the fact that if you run the red light, you're going to get a ticket. But what if, God forbid, you got into an accident? Well, now your actions have immediately affected someone else, right? So we need to keep that in mind that um, I think I think it was Einstein that said for every action, there is an equal reaction or something like that. Um, the next component of that element is going to be an effective physician practice compliance plan includes procedures for enforcing and disciplining individuals who violate the practices compliance or other practice standards. So what do we do with those bad actors? You know, those who knew the right thing to do, but they decided to do it elsewise, right? And this could be for many different reasons. Like I have talked to people that said, you know, my supervisor said I had to do it this way, or the physician said, do it anyway, even though I knew it was wrong, or I had an idea or thought that it might be wrong. Um, you know, you could be an accomplice just because you went along with it. Think about that. Um, many accomplices to crimes didn't start out thinking that they were going to be an accomplice. Um, there was the, the Bonnie and Clyde that very first time that Clyde came running out of the bank and jumped in the car with Bonnie and said, hit the gas, honey, right? She immediately became a comp a, a comp uh, an accomplice to that crime. You know, the truth is, this isn't really a new concept for any of us, having those rules and following those rules. And if we don't follow the rules, what's going to happen to us? Um, my very, very dear friend, Kim Luttrell, she turned me on to what is now one of my very, very favorite books. And it's called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It's by a wonderful author, Robert Fulgram, who has other books out there that are just as motivating. But the, the core of what that book is tells us that the things that we learned in our primary point in life, like share everything, play fair. Well, we have a lot of laws in place to help us all decide to play fair, right? Don't hit people. Um, and, and that could be metaphorically or it could be physically. Put things back where you found them. How profound is that, right? If we, if we see something out of place, put it back in its proper place. Clean up your own mess. 
Well, that one I don't think we need to say anything about. Don't take things that aren't yours. That one is probably the reason why we have these compliance programs in place. Um, when we look at auditing, we're auditing to make sure that we are entitled to the payment that we're receiving from a federal payer. So again, make sure that you don't take things that aren't yours. Don't report a higher level of service when a lower level is supported in documentation. Don't report services that weren't actually performed. Um, and, and I always give this great example. The provider wants a patient to give a urine sample. However, the patient can't go to the bathroom. Well, if the super bill makes it over to the biller, the biller might accidentally bill for the urinalysis that was never done. So don't take things that aren't yours. That's why we have these policies in place. Another thing that Mr. Fulgram said in his book was, when you're sorry, say sorry when you hurt someone. And hurt someone, we could look at that either, you know, in the, in the very small, simplistic way, one person that we said something or we did something that hurt their feelings, or when we did an action that caused a consequence that we didn't intend, you know, maybe we, we accidentally submitted a batch of claims twice because we didn't check to see that that batch had already been submitted. Do what you can to rectify the situation, make it right. Say sorry when you hurt someone. Mm, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Make it right. Do the right thing. Uh, wash your hands before you eat. Flush, well, you know, general hygiene is always one of those important things, and we hope that we all learn that back in kindergarten. <laughs> Warm cookies and milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn something, think something, draw something, paint something, sing something, dance, and play and work every day at something. Take a nap every afternoon. Oh, I would love that one. Believe me, if I could go back in time, I don't think that I would have ever missed one nap time. <laughs> when you go out in the world, watch for traffic, hold hands and stick together. You know, that is uh, the, the other component to compliance, that communication component that we talked about last week. Uh, when you see something, say something. Protect the people around you. Look out for others, right? Look out to make sure that things are being done the right way, the correct way, so that we are protecting each other. Uh, the next element there says wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup? The roots go down, the plant goes up, and nobody really knows how or why, but we all like it, right? Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even that little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die and, and so do we. So, you know, we all have a point when it's over, basically. And remember the Dick and Jane book? The first word that we looked, that we, that we learned is the biggest word of all, look. And that's part of compliance. Keep your eyes open, see things. And when you see something, say something. I love that and saying, I, I must say that, at, you know, over and over and over again when I go into a practice. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that really means or how that impacts each and every one of us. When you see something, say something. The biggest word of all, look, right? 
the last thing he says is everything uh, you need to know is in here somewhere. The golden rule and love and basic sanitation, ecology, ticks, equality, and sane living. So if you get a chance to read that book, it's a, it's a short read. It's an excellent read. Everything I learned, I need to know, I learned in kindergarten by Robert Fulgram. That kind of takes me to the next component in this last element of an effective compliance program. Enforcement and discipline provisions are necessary to add credibility and integrity to a compliance program. Remember, if you don't have consequences, then what good are the rules, right? Um, if you turn that paper in late and there's no consequence, then why have a deadline anyway? Nobody cares. If it's okay to touch the hot stove because it's not going to burn you or it's okay to be burned, then who cares, right? So it is important that people understand that expectation, right? It, it does create that credibility. It creates the integrity of a compliance plan. This is what we expect from you. It gives people that expectation, what we, what the goals that we have to meet, the people that we expect to have in our organization there. Um, and, and that also layers out some clear guidance and some clear consequences. What happens when you get the message and you ignore it? Who else is going to be affected? I think we should look at some examples. Um, I would like the audience's participation in this. I would like for you to enter into the chat. What are some examples of enforcement and discipline that maybe you comply with every day? Let's take a look. Let's see. Go ahead and feel free to jump in that chat box there and share with me. What's something every day that you comply with, some enforcement action that you comply with every day. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, that was Isaac Newton, John said. So it wasn't Albert Einstein. Yes, Isaac Newton, for every action, there is an equal reaction. Yes, thank you. I knew it was one of those wonderful philosophers in my life. So let's see. Um, let me see. I can't see the bottom of the chat bar for some reason. It's not letting me. So I think Janet entered something in there about what it is that uh, she's compliant with uh, every day. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, doctors not billing correctly. Yes. So, you know, that is our job to look out for them. Doctors' jobs are to take care of patients. And oftentimes there is a big disconnect between what is clinically relevant in a medical record and what a payer is expecting to see in that medical record. And oftentimes as coders, it becomes our responsibility to make sure that we support our provider in gathering that documentation. Um, let's see, Pam Vanderbilt. Pam, I had the pleasure of listening in just, just a few minutes of your presentation and it was incredible last night. Thank you so much for that. Pam says, brushing my teeth. You know, that's a good one too. I just spent a, a, a small fortune at the dentist the other day because I had a tooth crack on me. Um, and that's a consequence of not brushing your teeth. I mean, think about it. It cost me, yeah, it cost me a lot, let me tell you. Um, 
dropping claims if the service isn't even documented. Yeah, we're not even supposed to submit a claim until we've got that signed, authenticated document there to prove that the service was even done. So we need to make sure. Let's see, what else have you got there? That the documentation supports the diagnosis. Marilyn, you're incredible. I can't tell you how many times I have looked at records and I read the record, you know, patient presents today and they're here for their follow-up um, uh, of their fractured wrist. Okay, they're doing great. PT and OT worked out perfect. They have full range of motion back. Diagnosis for the patient. Um, we have fractured wrist, subsequent encounter, congestive heart failure, COPD, um, diabetes mellitus. And I go, whoa, whoa, where did all those come from? We never even talked about those. Those, we're not, that's not in this documentation anywhere. So that's another great one. Um, notifying your billing manager of denial trends. Oh my gosh, that's another great one, guys. So, Thank God. Uh, I, I tell this story all the time, and I probably said it on one of the other episodes of that we had a, a bunch of denials that were coming in for demographics. And the finally, that denial manager went to the supervisor, went to the compliance officer and said, look, I'm we're entering patients names backwards. Date of births don't match. We're getting all of these rejections. We're having to touch the claim a second and a third time. And we found out that the front desk person was dyslexic was not the best place for her. So we were able to take her out and put her into another department she's went phenomenal at. Um, so again, these are all super, super great examples. Tangela says, following the rules of the road. Absolutely. Um, you know how embarrassing it was when one of my children thought it would be exciting to go and Google mom and see how mom is. And it came up that mom had seven speeding tickets. It's probably not a good idea that I have a sports car. But we're not going to talk about that today, right? So yeah, the, the following the rules of the road, you can also imagine that I have a consequence of paying a very high insurance premium, auto insurance premium, because of my actions, right? So those are the consequences of my actions there. So again, we see a lot of things that uh, we participate in every day, enforcement and discipline that we comply with every day. And those were such great examples. I loved all of those because we had some industry examples. We had some life examples. Um, and, and I don't even know, Pam, how you knew that I just went to the dentist and had to unload all that money there, right? So we do, we see that in our everyday life and it should be no different in the practice where we work. Um, the OIG recommends that a physician practices enforcement and disciplinary mechanisms ensure that violations of the practices compliance policies will result in consistent and appropriate sanctions, including the possibility of termination against the offending individual. So my best advice has always been that life is all about choices, my friend, and so choose wisely there. So, uh, and, and again, it's important. We, this isn't anything new, a, a, a practice that implements a policy, a compliance program, and also has their enforcement and discipline is no different than everything that we see in our world. It's help how we, we, we manage our moral compass in life, because if, if we do this, 
then either this consequence, maybe a positive consequence could happen, or this, a negative consequence could happen. So um, at the same time, it is also advisable that the practice enforcement and disciplinary procedures be flexible enough to account for mitigating or aggravating circumstances. And this reminds me of a couple of things. The first thing that comes to mind is uh, my oldest son was in the fifth or sixth grade in school. And the teacher called me on the phone and said, Mrs. Hall, your son punched another boy today. And I said, oh my gosh, is he in the office? Are we suspending him? What are we doing? We don't, we do not encourage that behavior. And the teacher said, stop. First of all, I witnessed your son telling the other boy, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Leave me alone. Please don't come near me. Don't talk to me. I don't want to be around you. My son was using his words and the other boy had for the last time touched him and he reacted. And the teacher wanted me to understand that there were some aggravating circumstances there. And while we don't condone fighting, it wasn't that he hadn't tried the things that he was supposed to try first. Don't touch me. Get away from me. I don't want to play with you. I don't like what you're doing. He had used his words. And so the consequence for him was different because he had followed all of the things that he had been taught to do. So um, another one of those could be like what Caitlin had shared with us on the last episode. So she had a provider who had submitted uh, charges for patients that they had seen in a nursing home. And as Caitlin was going through the roster, she noticed that one of the encounters for that date, for, for that patient, uh, the patient was actually in the hospital. So she was able to go to her supervisor, her manager, and they did an investigation. And it turned out that, that the provider had accidentally sent over the previous week's billing, and that was not uh, accurate, that he had not saw, you know, had an encounter for seeing the patient on the day that they were in the hospital. So saying something to the supervisor who did the investigation, it turned out that that was not the case indeed. So crisis was averted. Now, the procedures, they might also stipulate that an individual who fails to detect or to report a violation of the compliance program may also be subject to discipline. So remember I said, Bonnie and Clyde, the minute that Clyde ran out of the bank and jumped in the car with Bonnie, Bonnie had a choice. Bonnie could have said, no, I'm not driving away. What you did was wrong. And we're going to stay here until the police get here and you're going to pay for your crime. Or Bonnie could have stepped on the gas, right? And so we need to make sure that when we see something, we say something so that we don't accidentally be confused with an accomplice, that we knew about it and we did nothing about it. We allowed that bad behavior to continue on. Now, disciplinary actions could be anything from a warning you know, hey, um, Diana, you accidentally added the wrong modifier to a claim. Let's be careful. Here is the NCCI edit, and here's the description of the modifier. You know, just brush up on it so that you're familiar of how we're going to use that modifier in the future. Maybe we have to go to a written warning, maybe something that's not oral. We have to go to a reprimand and say, you know, hey, Diana, we had this talk about overutilization of a modifier or diagnosis pointer 
on a claim form and we're getting a lot of denials now. And so I'm, I'm putting this in writing that we've given you the tools to be reeducated. We've had to talk about it, but you know, we gotta, we gotta stop this. This is, this is not good. Those denials are causing us to lose money in the practice. Um, maybe they put someone on probation and they say, okay, so we're going to do a review for the next 30 days of your work because we've talked to you about it. We've given you a written report. We've re-educated you and it's not working. Maybe we need to move them around to another position. Maybe we need to do that. Maybe we need to give them some time so that they can get their affairs in order and they can learn how to do it better. So maybe a temporary suspension. Sometimes termination is what's needed. They're not getting the message, regardless of all of the approaches that we've done in a practice to try to get someone to start performing compliantly. Um, now, when we find those, those really uh, grievant type of situations, maybe there was someone who was taking money from the copay drawer, or maybe we saw that there was somebody who was billing something on a regular basis that wasn't supported. We need to make sure that we enforce restitution for those damages, whether it be that we have that employee pay back that money, maybe we have to call the law and do some criminal prosecution. Um, if it's internally and we've been billing something incorrectly, we need to refund that money back. It doesn't belong to us. Don't take things that don't belong to you, right? So inclusion of those disciplinary guidelines in an in-house training procedure manual, that is sufficient to meet a well-publicized standard element to have our staff know where they can find those rules. Either we have an inside tra training and, and part of a good compliance program, again, we talked about was that effective training and at least annually discussing the elements of our compliance program Who's our compliance officer? How do you report things that you see? What type of investigation do we have? What type of process do we have in the practice? Those expectations there. Um, remember when you said that, or you were told that if you don't turn all of your assignments in, you will fail and you will have to do it over again. Um, if you don't have the money in the bank and you write a bad check, it's going to bounce and it's not going to get paid. Um, the vendor that you were paying, they might discontinue your services. And that action might have another reaction. Uh, in most states, we have to carry car insurance. And when your car insurance is canceled, then your driving privileges might get suspended. So we, we deal with this all the time. We understand this concept quite well. It's suggested that any communication resulting in the finding of a non-compliant conduct be documented in the compliance files and including the date of the incident, the name of the reporting party, the name of the persons responsible for taking action, and then what's that follow-up action? What are we doing to prevent this from happening again, right? Um, and that element is one of those elements that oftentimes it, it deters people from reporting those non-compliant conduct that they see. It's, I have the advantage in my world, in my immediate world, I have people of different generations. I have baby boomers, my mom, I have um, Gen Xers, myself and my sisters. 
Um, the, my oldest children, they're millennials, my younger children, they're Gen Zers. And, and now my little nieces and nephews that are coming up, they're called the, the Gen Alphas, right? And many of the millennials that I personally have observed, and, and you know, I love you millennials, so I'm not, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about my experience with the generation there. Um, they have a very much a, a not my business type of approach to, to situations there. And because that, um, that those actions there, because they really do, they really are our problem. We, we need to make sure that we have shared that with all of our staff. We have shared that importance with all of our staff. So you know that if for any reason, something's going on in the practice and, and maybe you did see that, maybe you saw that um, somebody was waiving all of the copays and you didn't say something, which then resulted in a federal investigation. And the federal investigators came in and they locked the door. So you show up to work on Monday and there's no work. Well, that does affect you. That is your problem. Now it is personal, right? And it could have all been avoided had you said something and allowed an investigation internally to happen so that we could fix this situation before anybody outside came in. So again, I can't say it enough. If you see something, you must say something. The last thing I want to tell you is one of the major consequences that, uh, but violating any of the healthcare laws or not responding well, or a major consequence of um, enforcement and discipline could be um, being added to an exclusion program. So uh, other suggestions for a, a physician practice to conduct checks and to make sure that current and potential employees are not listed on the OIG or the GSA list of individuals excluded from participating in federal health care programs, otherwise known as the financial death sentence, a wise woman once told me. One of the disciplinary actions that the federal government can apply is your exclusion from participating, working with, working for anyone that accepts federal funds. And think about it, that's just about everyone, right? Walmart, Walmart has a pharmacy, pharmacy takes Medicare, grocery stores, a lot of grocery stores, they also have pharmacies involved in them. Some of them even have little minute clinics in them now and they all accept federal funds. So you're not working, you're not bagging groceries, you're not greeting at Walmart. Um, Amazon has a healthcare program and accepts federal funds. So you're not going to be uh, filling those Amazon trucks with those wonderful packages that come to my house every day, right? Even taxi cab services, they participate in federal funding. Medicaid often provides coverage for patients transported to the doctor's office. So this chat wasn't intended to scare anybody, but it was so that we could understand that practices, they must have rules in place. And when we have rules, we always have consequences. So uh, let me take a look at the chat box here and see uh, if we have any wonderful comments here. Oh, you guys have been so interactive. I really appreciate that. That's wonderful. Uh, when you say something, should it be an email? Should it be verbally? You know, Janet, that's an awesome question. And you should check your compliance manual there. 
usually in your compliance manual, it'll tell you that uh, you can reach your, you should report to your supervisor, which could be either what's your normal communication with that supervisor? Is it by email? Is it by uh, verbal? And, or you could reach out to your compliance officer and you should have access to all of their contact information so that you can reach out to them either by phone or by email or make an appointment, come in and sit down and have a face-to-face -face chat with them. So I would say first, check your compliance manual. And then second, how do you normally communicate? I would, I would go that route there. Um, let's see. You know what, Betty, that is an awesome idea. Betty Hovey, uh, I love Betty Hovey. She always has such great ideas. Thanks, Betty. She said oftentimes she will show a practice what a corporate integrity agreement looks like, paybacks that another organization has had to make. Um, I, I did a, a um, an audit recently and part of my report of findings, I quoted some other organizations in that geographical area that had also had problems with the OIG or with Medicare of those same issues. So showing that likeness that it could happen to you, it happened to this one here. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for all of your great comments there. Um, oh, Pam says she was literally in the dentist chair when she got notified of today's coffee, coming coding with Christine Hall. Uh, that's wonderful, Jan Pam, I, I feel your pain. I was in the chair Tuesday and I go back in two weeks for the, the final uh, look over. Anyway, I've taken enough of your time today, everybody. I want to thank you so much for joining me. All of the links uh, for the things that we've talked about today will be added to the YouTube channel once this posts live. And please make sure that you are liking and subscribing our YouTube channel, that you are connecting with us on LinkedIn and on Facebook, um, that you're checking in on our website www.sterlingglobalsolutions.com, Sterling with an I. Um, check a look, and we've got a lot of upcoming events. We have uh, a lot of the books and the references. You can use our affiliate links to purchase those through the website. And we also have links to other podcasts and to our blog and all kinds of wonderful information out there, guys. Uh, we will be having a CPB. CPB, Certified Professional Biller Exam Review, coming up on April the 23rd. So please look out for that. Feel free to join us. We're going to go over some questions, answers, give you resources to help you be successful passing that CPB certification exam. Thanks again, everyone. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Thanks for watching. 